So today being All Saints Day, the scripture passage is going to be coming from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 32 through 44. It's the recommended passage for All Saints Day. So I invite you to stand as you are able in body or spirit as the word is read. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with stripes of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. When I was in the first grade, we were reading the book, and some of y'all probably read the book, Mr. Popper's Penguins. And so as a celebration from reading that book in class, at the end of the year, we're going to do a Mr. Popper's Penguins party, you know, and they have the book read on some type of audio thing. It was actually a record, I believe is what it was, and we'd listen to it, and we had snacks and did all these things that was fun, and something we all looked forward to was the Mr. Popper's Penguin party at the end of first grade. Remember it vividly. In the middle of that party, intercom buzzed. We need Brian Johnston for checkout. Out. I was not expecting to get checked out of Mr. Popper's Penguins party. Why in the world was I getting checked out? Who was checking me out to go and leave school? Well, my mom. I got there and I was like, okay. Didn't know what's going on. She was quiet. We went to the car. It was a green Dodge minivan. I remember sitting in there. And my dad was there. Like, hmm, okay. still nothing, not saying anything. And then my sister came because she was at the same school. She was about four grades older than me, and she came. I was like, okay, this is, this is awkward. I don't know what's going on. Either we're going on a trip or something. I have no idea why we were all checked out of school, and both my parents are here. And I remember this vividly, as we do in many important parts of our life. We have these memories burned in our brain. She looked at me, and she said, well, Brian and Janine, my sister, your grandfather passed away. Was not expecting that. Knew he was sick, but didn't know how sick he was because they kept it from us per his request. He didn't want us to know how bad he was. He had had cancer, gone to the hospital, ended up getting pneumonia. You know the story. He passed away. And so I remember that moment because it was my first family member to have had that passed away that I was close to, you know, that I saw on a regular basis. 
And so my grandfather, he was a, a really dynamic, interesting guy. I wish I would have known him longer than just those seven years. But he was the typical, you know, the greatest generation in my mind, you know, the greatest generation person. World War II vet, you know, grew up on a farm in out Troy, Alabama, one of 12. When he got out of the war with the GI Bill, he went to college, became a pharmacist, independent pharmacist, and owns some pharmacies and that type of thing. A really neat guy, really neat guy. And so I remember that moment when I was told he had passed away. We would love to go play board games with my grandmother when we'd go stay the night, and he'd come home from the pharmacy, and he would bring little candies from the pharmacy, and we'd play board games. That was my memory of him. And so when we had the funeral, they said, you can leave something with your grandfather. And so I remember I drew a picture of us playing board games and stuck it in there with them at the funeral. But, you know... That moment, there's, there's things now that I come across that brings me back to those moments. The smell of flowers, because the funeral had so many flowers. He knew so many people, being a pharmacist, and they gave a lot of flowers at the funeral. So anytime someone has a real flowery perfume, it takes me right back to that moment, of being seven years old at his funeral. Um, songs. My mom was a big Fleetwood Mac fan, and so for the whole year after her dad's death, I remember listening, having her listen on repeat the song Landslide by Stevie Nicks as she remembered her dad. And so whenever I hear that song by Fleetwood Mac, it takes me back to my mom listening to it all the time after her dad passed away, my grandfather. So it's funny how grief can bring us back to moments in time. It's so powerful. It moves us. We'll never forget those moments of when we lost the loved one and what we were doing and what that moment was like. And life can be trucking along just fine, and then you'll hear that song or smell that smell, and it'll take you right back to that moment. And so when we get to this passage here in John chapter 11, where Mary is, is talking to Jesus, and all of the Jews are weeping, and everybody is so sad over the death of Lazarus, I can only imagine that this will be a moment that no one's ever going to forget because of what Jesus did. Because of the awesome power of Jesus. You see, to set the stage, Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. And we know about Mary and Martha because there's a story in Luke when Jesus goes to their home and Jesus is treated as a guest. And Mary is there at his feet, learning all from Jesus. And Martha's in the kitchen basically cooking and cooking and then griping that Mary's not helping. And she went to Jesus. My sister isn't helping. And he said, you know, she's doing the most important thing with me. And so this is that family. Lazarus is their brother, dear friend of Jesus, and he has died. And he has been dead for four days. And Jesus knew that he had died. They have sent someone to go get Jesus a couple days before to say, hey, come to Mary Martha. Lazarus is not doing well. But Jesus intentionally, intentionally said, no, I'm not going right now. And they didn't send for him to come heal Lazarus. They just wanted Jesus to be there because they knew that they were friends. But Jesus said, no, I'm not going right now. I'm going to wait. He intentionally waited until he had passed away and had been dead for four days. And so when he now finally arrives to Mary and Martha in this scene of grief and weeping, he's moved. He is moved by this scene that he's come upon to. And he shares in that moment with his people. He weeps himself. He is moved by the love of Lazarus. 
He is moved by this scene here. And he weeps. And this is so very important for us as Christians to understand. That our God is not a God that sits up in the clouds disconnected from his creation. That has no feeling for his creation. But yet joins in with their sorrow, with their grief. And grieves with them. He's a God that is there with us each and every step of the way, no matter what is going on. And so when they get to this point, and Jesus says, take me to them, and they go to the tomb with the stone rolled in front of it. Gives you a quite interesting sneak peek into the Easter story here, of what will Jesus himself do. And he said to them, he said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so when they took away the stone, he looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so they believe that you've sent me. You see, when Jesus gets to the tomb, and before he reaches out to God to tell Lazarus to come out, when he gets to this tomb, he is greatly disturbed. He is greatly disturbed. And depending on what translation you read, it has different words there that basically portray Jesus as angry. And so why would our Lord and Savior be angry as he comes to the tomb before he asks for God to resurrect and bring Lazarus out? Because in this moment, Jesus is face to face with his opponent, death. Death of creation. And death angers Jesus. Not just that it's his friend, but also that death and the power that it can have over our bodies. And he's angry in that moment as he is face to face with his opponent. But he intentionally, like I said earlier, waited four days so no one would doubt that Lazarus was truly dead. And no one would doubt what was going to happen next. You see, when he calls out to God and instructs Lazarus to come out, his body, himself, is resurrected. Death is defeated. Death is defeated. It's almost like Jesus wanted everybody to think that death had won. And then he'd flip the story and say, no, Jesus and God, they're the ones that are victorious. What? We can share in that moment of resurrection and victory as we believe and have faith in him. He is the victor over death. You know, now with what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, with his resurrection... What he has done is made death, as I've read, just an interruption for all of us. It's just an interruption. You see, today being All Saints Day, we're remembering 19 people from our church who have passed away since this point last year. 19 families that have been impacted. 19 friends that have been impacted from all of this. And for many people in that moment, in that moment of grief, it seems like death wins. It seems like death has a hold over our bodies. But what this passage shows, and what it does to each and every one of us, it reveals to us that death is not the final say. That Jesus Christ and what he's done and his resurrection, that is the final say. That death is not permanent for us as believers that we continue on eternal life with him for all who believe. For all of these saints that we remember today, 
All of these saints have faced death as believers of God and joined in that resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we will have our moments too. We will have our moment where we will all face death. But we can have hope in those moments because of what Jesus Christ has done. That we can have faith that we will join in with the saints, with the victor over death, and that we will all share eternal life. That is the hope. That is the truth. And that is what we must believe as we honor these people today. And so for today being all saints, the main focus is not necessarily the words that I say. The focus is scripture. The focus is remembering the 19 people from our church family. And it's also partaking in communion. The gift of grace and love that Jesus Christ provided to us at his last supper. The night before he died, we join in with him in that moment as we take Holy Communion. So that is the focus for today. And that's where our hearts and prayers need to be. And so for today, what we will do is that as we have our communion time together, we're going to invite people, and they've already been selected, to come up and light a candle. Each candle that is lit will represent an individual from our church that has passed on and has joined in with the other saints, that is sharing in the victory of Jesus Christ with eternal light. That is what we will do today.